0: season's going to end on a
1: double doink. Oh,
2: the goodness. Philadelphia Eagles okay. are Super
1: Bowl okay. champions. Oh. Eagles fans oh. everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade
2: on hey. And your host... Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner.
0: Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown.
1: The Super Bowl is almost here. Do you know what that means? It's time to win some money. This episode is sponsored by 22Bet. 22Bet is your one-stop shop for all your sports betting. Download the 22Bet app today and enjoy its easy use interface. The sign-up process is short, and the sign-up process is remarkably quick. There are lots of products, including slots and live casino betting. Mark your favorites for quicker access to your preferred sports leagues and teams. 22Bet has a huge selection of payment methods, as well as options for cryptocurrencies. And transactions are fast and no additional fees apply. Take advantage of your 100% welcome bonus for the first time deposit. 22Bet has some of the highest odds on the sports you're interested in, along with excellent coverage of sporting events, including local leagues. Terms and conditions apply. Visit 22bet.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Doin' Podcast. My name is Brandon Deke. Thanks for tuning in today. Greatly appreciated. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Every subscribe matters. Me and Eric would also greatly appreciate that from you guys. Today, we have a very special guest. uh, Detroit Lions writer for the athletic Chris Burke is joining us. Chris, how are you doing today?
0: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I
1: don't know. Thanks again for coming on. Um, I yeah. again, I know this is a, I know this has probably been a crazy past couple of weeks for you with uh, with Dan Campbell hiring and the Stafford press conference. So let's just jump right into it. Um, the Detroit Lions acquire Jared. Oh, the Detroit Lions trade Matthew Stafford to the Rams for two first round picks, uh, third round pick, and Jared Goff. There were some reports out um, that the Carolina Panthers had a first round pick on the table that other teams had first-round picks on the table. Do you believe, from all the rumors of the other team's offers, do you believe that this was the best offer for the Lions? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was. I think it was a really good deal for them. And I think, um, you know, people are kind of getting lost in them not getting the first-rounder this year. But to get the two first-rounders, they still get a third this year, which is helpful. And I, I do think that they really wanted to try to come out of whatever this was going to be with someone that they could at least play at quarterback the next year or two, and to have a little bit of upside in Jared Goff, uh, potentially some upside in Jared Goff, I guess, depending on if they can uh, figure out what went wrong the last year or two. Um, You know, I think that, I think that was a good deal. The Carolina one, you know, reportedly was the number eight pick and then a late one. So that's the one that sort of jumps out. I know, you know, we had confirmed uh, at the athletic that Washington offered a first and a third this year. So that, you know, again, it's sort of. Uh, do you want to get the ball rolling on this rebuild immediately? Like, where do you feel comfortable doing it? And I think that just having the two extra picks moving forward gives them uh, probably more options than even having the number eight pick without a quarterback would have given them. So uh, they they're sort of wide open now on what they can do. Right, right. And my my kind of question
2: would be: Do you think they rushed this at all? Do you think? closer to the draft more closer to the offseason there could have been more teams in the quarterback market or do you think that they just wanted to get this done immediately and move on
0: uh no i mean i don't think they rushed it i do think they wanted to get it done and you know stafford's got a roster bonus due in march that they you know that that, that was sort of the drop dead date uh march 22nd or whatever it fell on where they had to get it done by them but i, I do think they wanted to Uh, get it done and move on and and sort of figure out where to go from here, um, figure out how it might impact the draft class for them. But I don't think they rushed it because I think they ended up with a bunch of good offers. You know, there were seven or eight teams that were in this thing at the end. There were at least, um, you know, five or so, five or six of those offers had first round picks on the table either this year or next year or in the Rams case, the next two years. So I think they ended up getting really good value for it. I don't know that they would have done better than you know getting two first round picks a third rounder and a quarterback from the rams or getting the number 8 pick from carolina like the the value that they had on the table was still pretty high right right and
2: they're getting back jared goff and i i've had some trouble kind of trying to f- figure out what his fit in detroit's going to be um golf's a guy who he's played. he's never played a home game outside of the state of california (laughs) now he's (laughs) going up to uh detroit do you do you think he's gonna be the the week one starter and how do you think he fits into the detroit uh lions system uh
0: yeah i mean i i think at the moment they're planning on him being the week one starter and i think just sort of how this trade happened and what his contract is that's pretty the kind of the obvious answer I mean they between his contract and and the dead money on Stafford they're approaching you know 50 million dollars at the quarterback position so they don't have a lot of room to go get someone else who's experienced you know things could change obviously if they go f- fall into you know Zach Wilson Justin Field someone like that and they think that that guy's ready week one but I think they're approaching this as that Jared Goff is going to be their starter he buys them some time so they don't have to reach on a quarterback if they're not in love with one of those guys uh, and it'll be interesting. I don't know. I mean, the, the relationship between Goff and McVay, I don't think it was a big secret that it kind of fell apart towards the end there in Los Angeles. So getting out of there, maybe get some a fresh start, new opportunity. Kind of curious to see what it looks like uh, with Anthony Lynn, call plays. I mean, that's the guy who's always leaned on the run game quite a bit. Um, Dan Campbell certainly wants to run the football. So uh, we'll see. I mean, they, they might be able to take advantage of what Jared Goff has sort of become a lead, which is where he doesn't take a whole lot of shots downfield. But I I think there is, we've seen more in there. I I think it's just a matter of, are they getting 2020 Jared Goff or can they find, you know, 2018 Jared Goff who uh, played really well in stretches and, and, and was accurate, a good arm. I mean, it's, I think that's the goal is that they find that guy, but worst case, they have someone that they know can start and will be out there every week.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to think Goff in 2018 was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, takes the team to the Super Bowl, and then honestly, since then, like since that 10-3, or was it 13-3, came out with the final score of that Super Bowl, but since then, he hasn't kind of been the same, and you can almost see McVay wanted they, they wanted to move on. They weren't committing to him after the year. It's less did to commit to him after the year, so this was definitely going to happen, um, and it, the Lions, I think, taking Goff off their hands, I believe, was probably the main factor for this trade. I think the Rams wanted a. I think the Rams wanted to get golf off the books and have someone else come in. So you brought, you said Dan Campbell wants to run the football. I gotta ask you about him. So there was a lot of buzz. Uh, I believe last week or two weeks ago with the Dan Campbell press conference. I know that I know all the buzz has kind of passed, but I want to kind of bring it back up. What was like the fans' reaction to the press conference? Um, I know, I know Detroit. I know people call Motor City Dan Campbell, and some people were were pumped up. What were what was the fan reaction to it? And maybe like your coworkers and the beat writers, what did you guys all think of it? <clears throat>
0: uh it was interesting it was i think it would have been even more interesting if we weren't over you know zoom doing it if it had been in person and you kind of feel that energy uh brad holmes their gm sort of compared it to like being front row at a at a rock concert like just sort of soaking it all in like a <laughs> yeah. nine, it was a 19 minute uh opening statement no notes or anything he just kind of got up there and went and um yeah i mean i think people were excited uh i think you know they're, it was either they were excited or like, what are we watching? (laughs) Like, This is kind of over the top. And I think even the players um, on the roster to some extent had to get past that part a little bit to the excitement factor. But I think, you know, as much the, obviously the biting kneecaps part got played a lot nationally (laughs) and uh, he had some, uh, some viral moments out of there. But I think once, once that kind of was stripped away, people here really paid attention to what he was talking about, about trying to, uh, just play the game right and to build a winner and to you know to to sort of do this from the ground up and and do it properly, which you know the last regime um, tried to kind of shift and and rebuild on the fly, and it obviously didn't work. So I think there was there's at least some optimism that this group now um, you know kind of knows what it's doing and knows where where it's gonna head from here. And I think that people are excited about his coaching staff too. It looks like a really good staff. So even if Dan Campbell's a little, uh it's off in the deep end from time to time. You know, you have some guys there who are experienced and who seem like they're pretty knowledgeable about X's and O's, and so that should help. Yeah, you mentioned his coaching staff. Uh Deuce Staley's
1: heading over to Detroit. He was since I since I've been following football, he's been involved in the Eagles organization. So I'm definitely gonna miss him. Treat him well, Chris, if you can. <laughs> um, but uh you, you brought up the past regime and the fact that they, they kind of rebuild on the fly and I was taking a look at the books and the Lions and the Lions-style cap situation. It's a little ugly, in my opinion, um, for 2020. How bad really is it? Like, How much work does Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have to do to get this team on the right track? I
0: I think it's going to be pretty rough, and I think that's part of why they didn't mind taking on the golf contract if they were getting the extra first-round pick back, because they know that this next season they're going to have to do some work. They still have to decide if they want to bring back Kenny Galladay. if you you know if you're franchise tagging him that's another 18-19 million you got to tack on to the to the salaries for next year and uh, Romeo Acquora had double digit sacks he's a free agent so they've got some guys they've got to make some decisions on and they're not going to have a lot of money to do it they've uh, got to do a little bit of wiggle room just to or a little bit of work just to create some wiggle room before the golf and Stafford trades final otherwise they won't be able to complete it cuz they won't be under the cap at that point uh Once it's done. So, yeah, it's going to be tough. Bob Quinn certainly didn't leave them in a very good spot. And and again, I think they know that. I mean, I talked to Dan Campbell Sunday and he said, you know, one of the reasons he's been so aggressive at trying to bring in, you know, Staley and Anthony Lynn and Aaron Glenn and all these guys on the coaching staff is because they sort of get the sense that they're going to have to just plug in what they can find this next year and coach these guys up and try to win, you know, try to develop some of these guys on the fly and coach them up and win with scheme and things like that because they're not going to have a lot of money to go uh, go use in free agency. And they're not going to be looking to trade picks for, you know, veterans all that much because they'd rather have young guys and kind of build through the draft. So it, it could be ugly. I mean, I think they need to figure out if any of the young guys they already have can stick around and and help moving forward but um yeah i mean they're in a tight spot i'm sure there's several more cuts coming um in the next few weeks here and i i positive brad holmes is going to try and unload a contract or two via trade if he can i don't know that there's anyone that's worth that much elsewhere but uh, i would expect them to still be busy leading up to free agency and then maybe kind of quiet for a couple weeks once it starts
2: yeah. My, my Chicago bears are kind of in the same situation with a star wide receiver that doesn't really want the franchise tag, but Holy, it would be really sucked to lose him, And that's <laughs> yeah. Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay this year. I feel like he was one of the rare exceptions where him being hurt might've increased his free agent value just because you saw their offense with him and without him. And it was quite clear just how good of a player he is. Um, I want to ask you about the draft. I know this is this is kind of far away, but do you think the Lions will be just taking best player available, looking offense, defense? Where do you think they go with that pick?
0: I, I mean, I think their goal is to go best player available. And again, I think that's part of why they got Goff back. So they didn't feel any uh, desperation there to go get a quarterback if they weren't in love with a guy. Um and, uh, you know, again, just talking to Campbell, that's sort of the direction he's pitched. Like, if we we want to draft guys that we love in every round, not guys that we maybe need and like. So um, I think it's kind of all open there. Maybe they go wide receiver. Maybe they go – probably could use one more offensive tackle. I mean, I think there's a lot of, lot of scenarios on the board. Could trade back again, too. Um, could move up, I guess, if they are in love with one of those quarterbacks. They could dangle one of those extra first-rounders and try to go up. But I, I think it's going to be – Mostly best player available, maybe try to acquire some more picks and just sort of stockpile guys here. Um, and it's kind of a weird year too because they obviously need help defensively, but, uh, you know, sitting at seven, there aren't a lot of obvious options that jump off the page on the defensive side of things, and I don't know that they double up on cornerback that high after the last regime took Jeff Okuda number three. So uh, they're kind of in a weird spot if they do settle on defense with which direction they'd take it.
1: Yeah, I could see if maybe Smith or Chase falls to seven that that would be the pick. Considering is Seifus the only wide receiver on the roster? Go yeah,
0: ahead, they here. have yeah Seifus and uh, they technically they have Geronimo Allison under contract because he had a one year deal and then opted out. But I don't know, like I can't imagine they're going into this offseason planning that he's going to be one of their top two or three receivers. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just Seifus and then um, you know Jones Amendola are out, Galladay's possibly out, Jamal Agnew um he's a free agent and they they got rid of marvin hall late so yeah they're pretty uh it's pretty bare bones there right now
1: yeah it's gonna be their the lions are definitely giving an interesting team for the next couple of years chris thanks so much for doing this before you go two things one super well prediction bucks chiefs who You got
0: uh i'm gonna take the bucks by three and go with oh. that defense
1: <laughs> okay okay sounds good and one more thing why don't you tell listeners where they can find your work
0: yeah. Uh, so the at theathletic.com, um, we've always got subscription deals running. And then you can get me on Twitter at Chris Burke NFL.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for
0: doing this. Yeah. Thanks, guys.
1: That was Chris Burke, Detroit Lions beat writer for the Athletic. Orangey, he's taking your bucks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all week, I've been kind of flipping back and forth on who I'm going to yeah. take. And if it've gone to my head right now, I'd be taking the bucks, to be honest.
1: Yeah, so before we get into Super Bowl talk, um, let's let's talk about the Stafford and, and Goff trade. We haven't we were together when it happened. Um, when the, when this trade when this trade w- was dropped, it was kind of a news bomb on a Saturday night. Not a uh, not normal not, not even over the time that these kind of trades happen either. So it was pretty interesting. Um, Chris obviously gave the landscape of the Lions side to it. Um, They, I, I think, uh, in my personal opinion, I believe the Rams or the Lions took this trade um because they got an extra first round and golf did that sweeten the deal in my opinion for them they wanted max max amount of picks back and it sounded like that's what chris was saying let's take a look at it from the rams perspective warner what do you think do you think mcvay did the right thing here
2: yeah i mean they're already all in right they've traded first round picks for jalen ramsey they traded first round picks to draft golf we're looking at seven years in a row now that the the Rams will not have a first-round pick. So that's the definition of all-in. Mm-hmm. However, I'm not crazy about the trade for, from both perspectives, to be honest. Because I think I think that Matt Stafford, he's never really played under pressure. He's never had that expectation of have, having to win. So I don't know how he's going to handle that. I think Sean McVay's offense is so creative in getting guys open that Jared Goff was fine for his system. I don't know if there's just this massive upgrade from Stafford to Goff. And then you also got to throw in Stafford's health concerns. This guy just a year ago, a year and a half ago was dealing with a back problem. We didn't even know if he was going to play football going forward. So to give up two first round picks for a guy, you're, I don't know if he's got a long-term future in LA. So I, To be honest, I'm not crazy about the deal from both sides.
1: When you're giving up two first-round picks, in my opinion, you got to be getting a game-changing player. Like, this guy's got to be a huge upgrade from what you previously had, and he has to be changing the game. He has to be at least adding on a win or two or three or Super Bowl or whatever to your roster if you're going to be providing that type of of draft compensation for the player. I don't know if Jared Goff – I don't know if Matthew Stafford's a big upgrade to Jared Goff. Like I know you, I know we say always say on this uh, on this podcast. Take PFF with a grain of salt. Jared Goff is with the tenth most valuable quarterback over the past three seasons, and Matthew Stafford has been the twelfth most valuable quarterback according to PFF. So again, take that with a grain of salt. But like that just shows like there's there might not be the craziest difference here. I think what's very interesting about this trade is it's going to kind of maybe give us an opening or a. A good lens into the into the Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur offense because everyone raves about how anyone can play for this offense, right? You can put anyone there, and and it will do wonders. And we always kind of say we should put this quarterback in this offense in the McVay offense to see how it goes. Now Stafford's in a Sean McVay offense. Now we get to see McVay. Are you a genius? Are you able to are you able to kind of explode this offense with a a top a top ten starting quarterback that you clearly believe he is? because if you're not getting up two first round picks for a guy that you don't think is a top 10 quarterback. So now I think I think a lot of pressure is on Sean McVay here. Am I wrong?
2: No, I completely yeah. agree. It's they were already all in and then they just took out a second mortgage on their house and pushed <laughs> even that all the way in. Yes. It's um it's Super Bowl or bust for them now. And just looking around the roster, I don't have their cap sheet in front of me, but I I believe like Leonard Floyd's a free agent. They got a couple players in their secondary that are free agents, and they're over the cap still. So, I I think that they upgraded the quarterback slightly, but are going to have a downgrade at multiple other positions. Where I don't I don't know if they're a better team next year than they were this year. So Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth, Matthew Stafford,
1: and Jared Goff's dead money. So that's seven guys are going to take up. Approximately seventy-five percent of the the cap for the Lions, if my math or for the Rams, sorry, if my math's correct, around seventy to eighty percent. That's yeah. a lot, and that and that's we haven't seen this kind of like roster building in the NFL. Like this is this is different. Like you know what I mean? Like this is work. Like this is almost like NHL style, like team building, right? Where you like load up on like a couple guys and you fill it around. Like this is yeah. the NFL is not the way. This is not how you build the roster.
2: Yeah, I'm, and I, I'm not crazy about it to be honest. Yeah, like, neither am I. I, I think in the NFL more than any other sport, your first round picks are more valuable than any other sport. And to not pick in the first round for seven years—that is, that is, that is big. And like, I just went through the Bears not having a pick for two years, and that felt those two years felt very long. Those drafts yeah. were tough to watch. That was two. Like, imagine <laughs> seven years without a first round pick. Yeah, I like can imagine being a
1: Rams fan, like just desperately waiting for some young talent. I, I guess like Ramsey, you can argue Ramsey, um, Ramsey, uh, Donald, and uh, Stafford, like they got four years of prime left, like those three. So you know what? Like they they will be competitive in my opinion unless everything blows up in the next four years. But I I would take, like, like just looking at rosters from right now, like I w- don't know if the Rams are going to be, top five team or have a top five roster even like they just lost brandon staley they just lost the best defensive corner in the nfl and they had the number one defense so the way you have to look at this you can't say like oh they're just adding matthew stafford onto this team that's not how it works they just lost Staley. they just and they're not going to have the number one defense next year me and you know this we've talked about this in this podcast defense is flaky it goes year to year right like you never Mm -hmm. you never see defenses go back to back in the top top five defenses back to back it's very rare Right. So like the Rams are not going to have the number one defense next year. So that means Matthew Stafford needs to pick up this offense just that much more. And and I think the in 2019, the Lions ran like a, a play action heavy offense. And Stafford the first eight weeks was awesome. Right. Like he was great to watch. And mm-hmm. I and I know for a fact that's what the Rams are going off of. They're looking at that. If you go watch the 2019 Stafford take the first eight weeks, that's what they're looking at. They're saying this is the guy that we're gonna get in our system. Like the, the play action, move the vertical passing offense. That's what they're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And I personally don't, it's, I personally don't know if this is the right move. Like I feel like two first round picks in in golf could have maybe potentially went elsewhere than to Stafford.
2: Yeah, and on also you got to remember that they're unquestionably in the toughest division in football. They mm-hmm. got they're dealing with Seattle and Russell Wilson. San Francisco, we know, is going to be better next year. Just they're going to be healthier and it will see what they do at the quarterback position so i have them being better next year and arizona is up and coming with kyler murray so they're in a very very tough tough division and it it could go south this year and if it goes south and they don't have a first round pick that's 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 where the houston texans are right now
1: yeah and they're i think they're like they cannot afford an injury right like Ramsey, donald stafford woods cup like one of those guys go out, like they're screwed.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. When you pay that much for that many, for that small number of players, it really hurts your depth.
1: Yeah. Anyways, so I don't know. We have have? Did, did we spend much time talking about the Lions this year? <laughs> I think that was the longest wow. we've, we've spent talking about the Detroit Lions on a podcast. Anyways, um, that, that trade was, it was huge. I think it shook the landscape in the NFL, and I think it makes the Rams and the Lions two very interesting, interesting teams to watch. So before we go, let's let just talk about the big game on Sunday. How are you feeling? What's what's your thoughts? Again, I know we talked about this weekend. You were saying you're tr- you're kind of going toward the Bucks.
2: Yeah. Um. This this week is just going by so oh, slow. I know. Right? I can't take it. <laughs> I know. It always it always seems like it does take a long time, but I feel like this week is taking longer than usual and. I think it's because that's how excited I am for this game. I'm always excited for the Super Bowl, but this one just seems like it has extra juice with I just agree. The, the Tom Brady, the unquestionable goat at the moment. Is he gonna pass Patrick Mahomes, or is he holding on to it saying, "Not yet, pal"? Yeah, um, I, I I thought about
1: this today, um, and I, and I thought this was a pretty interesting kind of take to look at this, and I I don't want your opinion on it. Let's say Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Do you think he could retire? Like, do you think he comes back 100? percent Oh, I don't right. know. I, like, I, 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 thought, I thought this was like at least worth talking about because, like, let's say he wins again. You got seven rings. You're 43 years old. You beat Patrick Mahomes. Like, how can he possibly be motivated again? Right? His motivation to yeah. come back this year was to beat Bill Belichick and do what he's doing right now. Right? So I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly could see him doing it. And he probably yeah. won't, but I, I think it's worth talking
2: about. Yeah, because I, I always kind of just assume that the reason he ke- he's kept coming back is to try to get seven because that would put him ahead of MJ in terms of the goats across sports debate. Like him and MJ are tied at six right now. I think he wants that seven. Yeah, to say he's ahead of MJ. I know it's different sports, but they're both goats in their yeah. sport. So I. I you're right. If he gets seven, I think it might pop into his head, but he looks good. If he was, if he was kind of losing a bit of zip on his fastball and there was maybe mentally, he wasn't as sharp. I could say, yeah, maybe, but he, he looks good. I think he even looks, he looks better this year than he did the last two or three years. I 100% he looked, he looks, this was the best Brady I've seen three or
1: four years. My opinion. yeah I agree yeah. yeah like since since the 2017 I'll say that the 2018 year I didn't think he played very well that team was carried by the defense um, and then 2000 and then last year he didn't look good at all in my opinion I thought he was the bottom 10 quarterback the last half of the season I know they really got off to a good start um, so yeah I thought that was interesting the Buck side one more thing before we go I want to talk about it on the Chiefs side of the ball I think Steve Spagnuolo is like the biggest X factor in this game that's chief that's a Chiefs defensive coordinator if you look back, you remember he was the defensive coordinator of that that Giants team that attacked Brady back in 2008, right or 2007. The, the undefeated Patriots. He was the oh, architect yeah. of that defense that beat the that beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's an interesting guy, and he he seems to like attacking Brady. Like he seems to. So, and this is an interesting stat: Tom Brady um, against uh, six or man six pressures or more, or six guys rushing quarterback or more this year is one as a bottom five quarterback and mm. Steve Spagnuolo's defense attacked Brady 25% of the total amount of times that they ran six or more guys at him. So that means Steve Spagnuolo saw something in tape. He said that rushing six or more guys is key. That's the reason why Brady struggled in week 12.
2: Right. Right. Well, I I actually have I've looked at that week 12 matchup quite a bit. And I think there are some some things that need to be noted about that matchup and the biggest one to me is uh the starting left tackle donovan smith didn't play in that game Mm -hmm. so i think i think him playing in this game is going to be a huge boost for that offensive line obviously um and everybody remembers that first quarter the chiefs had in that game they scored i believe 17 points in the first quarter tyreek hill had 200 yards they only scored 10 the rest of the game um Mm -hmm. Todd Bowles, who I think is the biggest X factor in this game, made adjustments at halftime and kind of slowed down the Chiefs, but the Chiefs also kind of had it in cruise control. The game was a little bit out of control, but also Vita Vea didn't play in that game. Right now with the Chiefs offensive line banged up the way it is, I think all four pass rushers of the Bucs have positive matchups. And call me crazy – if Nadamakan Sue knows that they're weak up front, you, you might see some greasy <laughs> stuff from him, like stepping on some guys, trying to <laughs> injure people because the Chiefs are thin up front and yeah. Sue's a dirty player. I, I don't think that's a secret. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes some shots at some guys.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's good to bring that up. And you, like, like you said, I've been looking at this week 12 matchup, and I think if you just take a look at the Twitterverse and all the video heads and the guys that are diving into tape, this is they're focusing on that game. It's, it's like it's, You don't usually get teams that met to the Super Bowl that have played that year, right? So at least you have something to go off of. And something right. I realized in that game, you brought up the V of A factor. I think it's huge because if you take a look at, at week 12, the pass rush wasn't really getting to Mahomes as much. And then if you take a look at last week against the Packers – Vita Vea was a huge reason why Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul were able to get after the quarterback. Like they, mm-hmm. do you know that they were they they combined for four sacks between those between those two guys? All of yeah, them, yeah, and every single sack was under three and a half seconds. That means that was straight up. We are beating your guy. The Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett single-handedly just one on won the pass rush one on one. So I-, I think that's a huge factor because you just brought the Chiefs are banged up on the offensive line.
2: Yeah, I. Do you think if David Bakhtiari plays last week, the Packers win? I don't know if they win, but I think it was a huge factor. I think that was the first time they missed him.
1: Like we talked about that too. I believe, right? This was the first time they looked like they they were missing David Bactiari.
2: Yeah, so they're playing another team that just lost their yep. left tackle, and uh, Mike Remmers is he's a he's not a scrub by any means, but he's never played a snap of left tackle in his career. Hey, we're we're in the Super Bowl here, and he's got Jason Pierre-Paul or Shaq Barrett coming down on him. I think that that's going to be a matchup really to key in on. And then, how many times are the Chiefs going to even try running the ball? Because with Vita Vea in there, there's no running room up yeah. the middle. And Levante David and Devin White are so fast that you you can't outrun them sideline to sideline. This Bucks run defense is so good. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs run the ball less than ten times in this game. Mm.
1: Yeah, the Levante David factor. Like that I think that guy's also very important for the Bucs. Um, it's it's interesting because in uh Robert Mays and Shil Kapati talked about it on the Athletic Football Show today. Um Edward, like we watch Devin White play football and we see how fast and good he is, like and it's how quick he can get sideline to sideline. He's one of the bottom. He's in the bottom of the NFL in coverage. Like he's not yeah. very good at covering tight ends. That's going to be up to Levante David, who's a veteran. Like this is his first Super Bowl. I think he's been with the Bucks for like nine, ten years. I'd have to pull that up exactly. This mm-hmm. is his first time in the big game, and he's going to be tasked with stopping Travis Kelsey. Like that's a yeah. tough ask. So,
2: yeah. Well, i I don't think there's a I don't think there's a player in the NFL that can cover Travis Kelsey, but yeah. it's, <laughs> it's a linebacker or a safety. Kelsey's gonna have the positive matchup. I just think I think this game's all about can the can the Buccaneers either cause one or two punts and then one or two drives that are in the red zone turned into field goals. Brady's gonna have to score a bunch, and I think he can because I like their matchup on the offensive side of the ball as well. Something that's not really been talked about is the Chiefs' ground defense hasn't really been tested yet. And if, nope. if the Bucs can stay in this game and keep the ground game relevant, I think that's how you beat the Chiefs. Yeah.
1: A couple of DVOA nuggets quickly before we go. Travis um, Kelsey brought that up. She, Buccaneers were 25th against t- stopping twid- at tight ends, in, uh, according to DVOA metric. Chiefs at the 31st ranked rush DVOA metric defense. So like, there, there there's some openings here. So I think those are two are going to be things to watch. Um, Me and Eric are going to be coming to you guys on Thursday. We're going to be doing an hour-long special breaking down prop bets. We're breaking down everything basically you can put money on in the Super Bowl and breaking down the game for you. Me and Eric will be there for you on Thursday. Excited for that episode. We are so excited for this game. Thanks again to Chris Burke from The Athletic for joining us. Make sure to check out his work there, and we'll talk to you later.